Welcome to this week's podcast from Fearless LA. For more information, check out fearlessla.com or explore the Fearless app. Thanks for listening. This is Fearless Los Angeles. chapter uh, 16 says that Jesus looked at Peter and said, now I'm going to tell you who you are. You are Peter, a rock. And upon this rock, I will put together my church. Somebody say church. A church so expansive with, with, come on, that didn't sound very energetic, with with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access. Somebody say access. You will have complete and free access. Somebody say, devil, you're a liar. I have access to God. That means beyond what you've done, beyond what you've thought, beyond how long you've been here, you have free and complete access to the kingdom of God. Then he says, you have keys to open any and every door. No more barriers. Somebody say, no more barriers. Come on, no more shackles, no more chains, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. We are the church, and we are a church uh, full of energy. If you haven't noticed that, you haven't been here the whole service. We are full of energy, full of life, because that's the church that Jesus left. He didn't leave a dead, dull, boring church. He left a church full of energy. And uh, we, we just, here at Fearless, we believe that we should probably look a lot like the first church. The first church that Jesus started was alive. It was passionate. It was exciting. It was not something that people did to click off a box, that they did their religious experience for the week. It was an encounter with relationship with a real God who really had power, who really had life, and had given it to them. And that is the kind of church that you have entered into today is a church with life, but really the church is not this building. The church is right here. We are the church. God lives inside of us. He wants to take up residence inside of you. That's why he said, if my church is going to be my kind of church, uh, you also aren't going to have any barriers. You aren't going to have any walls. You're going to have free access. Why? Because you're the church. And the church that I have has no barriers, has no walls. It has free access to open any and every door. There is nothing too big and too great for my church. Amen? And whatever the devil has painted over the years and whatever you have painted and I have painted and allowed others to author about our life, the great author and finisher has given me authority to take back the brush in my hands, the ones that they painted, whatever they painted. And see, look, I don't believe he just repaints on your canvas, which I think that's good and nice, but my Bible says that we get to be born again. 
I believe he deposits a whole new picture into your lap. He said, I'll go ahead and paint on the one that you had. I'll make it beautiful. I'll trade you ashes for beauty. But I'm going to give you a whole new opportunity to start over again. And I'm not going to paint it for you. I'm just going to give you back the authority that the enemy has taken from you, that life has stolen from you. I'm going to give you the ability to author again who you will be and what you will become. What does an author do? An author writes words on a blank page. He determines or she determines where the story goes and how it gets there and how long it takes to get there and the espionage that will be on the in-between and how the story works out if it works out. They are control in charge of their own destiny. See, I think a lot of people believe that God will just grab the pen back out of our hand and just do it for us. But I believe that when he said it is finished on the cross, it was him taking back the authority from the enemy who is painting on our life and then he hands it dangerously to the sons and daughters of God he gives us a new canvas and he says today you are clean today you are made whole not because of what you painted or they painted but because of what I've given you I have given you a free gift of new life see I don't believe that Jesus uh, makes bad people good because how good are you going to be <laughs> I believe he makes dead people alive you see I'm not good in that of myself in fact my own righteousness the Bible says is like filthy rags to God the best I can be is is like filthy rags but God imputes his righteousness or gives his righteousness to us as children of God and he says look I've given you a whole new life a brand new start some people might wonder what we're excited about I'm excited because everything they painted has been washed with the blood of Jesus and I am a whole new creature in Christ Jesus do we have any people that have been given a new chance a second chance to start over and you're excited about it yeah, we're excited about it because they painted abuse on our life. They painted insecurity on our life. They painted discouragement in our life. And I was about to give up and throw in the towel and say, this life is not worth it. But Jesus gave me a whole new life to live. And it started with just accepting his free gift of love. And because of that free gift, I am no longer dead, but I am alive. My prayer when we started a church is that we would not be the church of the frozen chosen. But that we would be a church that's fully alive. Still working it out. Still with fear and trembling trying to figure out this relationship and this incredible God. Why he loves us and finding out the depths of his love. How fun is it exploring the depths of God's love for us? Because sometimes we explore it by messing up on accident. And then we find out he loves us then too. And we find it out by when people hate on us and abuse us with their words or they put us down and then we get to the end of their words and we find out that his word out trumps whatever they have to say. And it's a church with energy. It's a church with life. And so I started reading this passage that this kind of church, not even the gates of hell, will overcome this kind of church. And if there is anywhere where it feels like sometimes we're in the gates of hell, uh, it would be on traffic on the 101 freeway or the 10 or the 405. Come on, somebody help me preach this thing. <laughs> 
In fact, in this area right here where, where, where the L.A. riots went down, right here on these streets, cars burning, houses in flames, people uh, spreading hate uh, in the name of their cause because they have been hated on. But we are going to come to this same place and we're going to spread a new weapon, and it's called the weapon of love. It cannot be trumped, cannot be put out, it cannot be silenced. It just keeps giving, keeps going, and the more you break it, the more it spills out. And that kind of church is the kind of church that Jesus is looking to establish inside of L.A. And guess what? You are that church. It's not a building. It's who you are. Do I have that church in the building today? And we know that the word energy is not a word just made up for kids to, that had too much sugar. It is not a word of hype. It is actually a scientific word that scientists actually use. Real smart people use this word called energy. I think sometimes we think when energy is, is talked about in church uh, that, it, that it means that we're just going to jump as high as we can and we're going to dance and we're going to give God lip service, but then we're going to walk out of this room and deny him with our lives. The kind of energy that God is talking about is deep it's strong it's powerful it is not hype because you cannot hype God to hype something is to take it higher than it is and sell it for more than it's worth but God cannot be taken higher than he is or sold for more than he's worth it doesn't matter how high I jump how loud I shout how much I preach this house down it doesn't matter because God is higher than that he's greater than that I'm not selling you something this cannot be bought it's too expensive it's a gift to you called eternal life and that is exciting and brings energy there are five types of energy, and, and just so you know, again, I'll say this, energy by definition cannot be created and has no ability to be destroyed. It comes from something supernatural, unearthly. God said you will receive something that cannot be created. You cannot work this kind of thing up. It has to be given to you. And once it's created, it cannot be destroyed. It can only be stored or transferred stored or transferred and we know that there are uh, energy that is stored is called potential energy the other type of energy that happens is when it is uh, transferred and there are five different energies that can be produced through energy being transferred from one uh, method to another the first one is electricity somebody say electricity we would call this power so the church needs to be a church of power somebody say power like you mean it the number two kind of energy that can be transferred is called radiant energy. Uh, this could be displayed or described as light. The church should be a church of light. Somebody say light. And then the third kind of energy is, is sound energy. Um, and Pastor Sean talked about that. It was an incredible sermon. The church should be a church of sound. You say, why do you keep having us shout things out? Because your voice is actually changing things in the atmosphere. There is a sound. It doesn't have to be a beautiful noise. It just has to be a joyful noise, right? Come on, can I hear you make a sound for Jesus in the house today from front to back, left to right? And then the fourth kind of energy is mechanical energy, which is we could describe as motion. The church should be on the move. And then the fifth kind of energy is thermal energy, or it could be described as heat. The church should be hot. Somebody say the church is, it's hot up in here in more ways than one. Good. 
So today we're going to talk about mechanical energy or movement. The church should be a church that is on the move. If the church is still, hopefully it's storing to prepare for a great move that's coming. We always pray for God to move, but I believe that God is praying for us to move. Because God can't move. God, would you move in our city? Would you move in our house? And God's like, well, I'm everywhere all the time. So if I moved, I would have to leave the place I am and show up in a place I'm not. But that's not possible because I'm everywhere all the time. I was in Max Senate before you got here, and I'll be here long after. You can find me in the trees and the planets and the stars and the solar system. But the greatest place that I want to live is inside of you. So quit praying for me to move because I'm praying for you to move. Because when you move, I move just like that. Come on, DJ, bring that funky track back. Right? God is waiting for you to move. He's waiting for me to move. He said, I've given you everything you need. If you can't move, just stand. Stand firm. Don't sit down. Don't lie down. Don't go backwards. You were made to go forward. We are moving forward. And if we can't move forward, we're at least going to stand. And we're going to stand firm so that in a few minutes we could move forward again. This is going to be a church on the move. Because the church on the move cannot be overcome by the gates of hell. How many guys are ready to tear down the gates of hell in this city? You say, I don't know about all that. That sounds kind of intense, like 300-ish. No, I'm talking about the gates that are holding your family bound. I'm talking about the gates that are holding people bound in fear and anxiety and depression and hate and violence. I'm talking about tearing down some racial gates and some, uh, some anger gates. I'm talking about some gates that the church will not be overcome by. We're going to tear down these gates because we're going to be a church on the move. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 16, I think we have that on the screens. It says the great commission at the top of this uh, thing that Jesus gives. And we've heard this, uh, but I believe many in church uh, have taken it not as the great commission, but they've used it as the great omission. We just take that part out because I'm really not ready yet. I'm really not there yet. And if we can pick and choose what the Bible says to be truth for our life or not, then we would be the God of our own kingdom. And what that would be called is religion. But I am on a relationship journey with Jesus. And all that he says that I can do, I can do. And all that he says I can be, I can be. And I don't have to wait 10 more years to be it. He has given me the power to do these things right now. Somebody say right now. The Great Commission, somebody say, touch your neighbor and say, it's not the Great Omission. This is for all of us. We are called to be a church on the move. It says this in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. This is after Jesus had been crucified, after Mary and, and, and had been to the tomb, and the tomb was empty, and an angel said, Jesus is not here. They went back to this place that he had told them he would meet them again. This is the risen Lord Jesus encountering his disciples who are about to start the greatest movement, not monument, to ever exist in history. These are the disciples that he had formally told, I'm going to give you the keys to the gate. Whatever you open on earth will be opened in heaven. Whatever you close on earth 
earth will be closed in heaven. I've done all I need to do. Now I'm about to commission you to go do something with me. Somebody say amen. Then the eleven went to the mountain where Jesus had called them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Seeing Jesus causes you to worship him. But look at this. But some doubted. Wow. They saw Jesus fully risen from the grave. They saw Jesus in all of his glory and his power being exactly who he said he would be. And some worshipped in the crowd and some doubted. It tells me two things. Number one, that Jesus is so powerful that when you see him, you are forced into a decision. That you will either worship him for who he is, or number two, he will be so radical for anybody to encounter that you, your own mind, will not even believe what you see. It also tells me that in every church, no matter how good the worship is, no matter how great the preaching is, I don't have to beat myself up based on how you do what you do in this crowd. I don't have to try to work you into something because even when Jesus showed up himself, some worshiped and some doubted. Jesus wasn't intimidated by it. He wasn't thrown off by it. He knew that some people would not be able to get with how great he was. My question today is which side of the fence will you be on? Because Jesus is here right now. He's present right now, and he will force you to make a decision. Either you accept his awesomeness for how great it is and how much he loves you, or you'll walk away and say, I don't know how he can change my life. I don't know how he can deal with all this pain and all this hurt and all this abuse, and so I don't believe. It's not going to be scientific. There has to become a moment where you step out and believe that he is who he says he is. Some doubted and some believed. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority. Somebody say all authority. That means all ability to author. All ability to take the pen out of the devil's hand and rewrite something. All authority in heaven and not just in heaven, on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Here's what we're going to do with this authority. Go. Somebody say go. go. Now, I want to let you know what I just read is the most dangerous word in the entire Bible. Go. 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 Some of us go to church. Some of us go to our Bible studies. But Jesus is not actually going to tell them to go to church. He says, go and make disciples. Somebody say disciples. Of all nations. Now, I love that he says nations because that's dangerous talk. Jesus doesn't say go to L.A. and you're scared. Like, oh my gosh, it's a big place. He gets crazier. He says, you're going to go to nations. Your life is going to shake nations. And you say, well, I don't know about me. I don't know if he's talking to me. Well, look, the people he were talking to were unschooled, untrained, ordinary men and women. And if he could call them, then he's calling you to go and shake things up. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're about to do that on the beach soon. If you have not got a part of that, you need to do it. Shameless plug. Amen. Verse 20. And then teaching them to obey what I have commanded. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. 
But this with you in the original language is not the same with you that had been talked about in previous verses. Like when Lazarus, a dead man, fell asleep, as Jesus called it, but he had died. The, the Bible says that literally the women in the room say, he stinketh. He was that dead that he stunk. Jesus shows up three days after too late and says, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man named Lazarus got up out of his tomb and he started hopping all the way to the altar call. And Jesus was with them in that moment. Jesus was with the disciples when they got into a storm and there was a hurricane and they were trying to cross to the other side. You ever been in a storm? The, the, the Bible says that Jesus was fast asleep. You ever felt like Jesus was asleep in your storm? And you can relate to the disciples. They woke him up and he's like, did you think we were going to die? And like I was going down like this. And uh, I didn't really say that. That's my paraphrase. But uh, he looked at the storm and he said, peace be still. They were with Jesus when they saw food multiplied and bread doubled and leftover baskets from a little boy's lunch. They were with Jesus when they cut a hole in the ceiling because there was no more room in the house party they were having with Jesus preaching and the DJ spinning named the Holy Spirit. They, they dropped a dude in from the ceiling. And Jesus said, get up and walk. That was the, the middle of his sermon. And at the end, another dude fell out the window and died, and he raised him from the dead too. They were with Jesus at exciting, amazing counters. But this with Jesus was a different with Jesus because he said, I'm no longer going to be with you like we're together. I'm going to be with you like in you. Like uh, we're going to walk out this dangerous life together. I'm, what Jesus was saying is, folks, I'm going undercover. Hello? <laughs> Jesus? Someone answer that. Someone answer that. Someone answer that. Nope. <laughs> no one wants to admit it's them. That could be my phone somewhere out there. It might be them calling to give us a building or something. We got to. <laughs> I think it's someone's computer. <laughs> That's what it is. Someone's getting a call on their computer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Where was I at? Yes. Amen. That was the best part of my whole sermon. And then the devil tried to interrupt it with a phone call. We're just going to get crazier now. Here we're going to go deeper. <laughs> Jesus said, look, I'm no longer going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. Meaning everywhere you go, you're not going alone. I'm, I'm going undercover. You see, when someone goes undercover, uh, they do it for strategic reasons. When the police uh, send someone in undercover, it's because the people that they're going to would not accept them if they came as themselves. So they have to go into hiding, not changing who they are or their authority, but they have to become like them to win them for a different purpose. Jesus said, if I just came to L.A., it wouldn't work out because I'm God. I've risen from the dead. I'm not like them, so they would not accept me. I need to get inside you and go undercover as you, inside of you. So when I get there, they won't reject me first. They'll reject you because of me, and they'll have no clue. And by the time it's all over, it will be too late. I'm going undercover. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, Jesus is undercover. Jesus is undercover. He's undercovering me. I know you see me, but I'm not just here alone. I didn't just come to this room alone. I came with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Son lives inside of me, and the Holy Spirit is all over me. He's undercover in my life. Be 
be careful to put me down because at the same time you're putting him down. And I know I don't look like much, but he's undercover. And, and, and he's made me exactly like I am so I can reach certain people that you can't reach. But together, we're going to reach a whole crowd. See, many people get it all mixed up and they say, oh, we pastor, we need you to go win our city. I can't win our city because I don't look like all of them. I don't talk like all of them. But God has given us every race, every tongue, every nation under this roof, every age group so that we could win some. Maybe not all, but we're going to go in undercover. And we're not going in alone. We are hardwired, tapped with an app. I need to send someone in from the outside, the Holy Spirit to the inside, in disguise. No less powerful, no less authority, just under a different name, hidden for strategic reasons. He is God. Not just with us, he is God in us. And anytime you send someone undercover, a cop sends someone undercover into a biker gang, or we've seen it on the movies. Uh, uh, there was this, this surfer uh, show, I can't remember what it was called, where, where they sent, there was these surfers doing drugs, and they were like oh, their own gang. And What was it called? Point Break, man, that movie. That got me in trouble. I wasn't supposed to watch it as a kid, and I did anyways. <laughs> And they're going undercover, man. They, they, when, when you go undercover as a cop or whatever, you might have to do certain things to prove your authenticity so that it's believable in, in the gang that you're in. Uh, like they may have you uh, kill someone uh, just to prove that, that you are who you say you are. They might have a cop try to sniff a line to, to prove who they are. And, and, and when they're undercover, they got to do what they got to do. Jesus went undercover. Jesus was probably the greatest undercover move that has ever happened in history. In fact, the earth didn't fully understand even that he was God. His own disciples didn't fully capture as they walked with Jesus. They would confront him at times. Can you, can you imagine confronting God? We do it all the time, but they would confront him. Are you sure? Oh, you don't need to go down like that, Jesus. They, they fooled. He was so undercover. They said that Jesus almost like, they, that's why when the guards showed up and, and Judas showed up, he had to kiss Jesus so the guards would even know who he was. He didn't even stand out amongst the 12 unordinary, unschooled, untrained disciples, the king of the universe. He went undercover. He wasn't a king's servant. He was a servant king. Who got down because we couldn't get up. He hid himself and wrapped his holy presence. He left the sea of glass that roars in perfect harmony. And the angels singing in perfect pitch his name. He left all of it. And then wrapped himself into human fragile flesh. He hid out as a carpenter's son. In a backside of a no-name town. Even the people in his own town, he could do no miracles there because they didn't believe he was who he said he was. Why? Because he was hiding out. He was undercover and he had to be believable. Jesus went undercover so deep that he died just to prove his authenticity. And when Jesus died, the earth trembled, the sun hid its face, and people got up out of their graves. It was a crazy day and the earth was freaking out because the one that they thought could be him or maybe wasn't him just proved that he was fully undercover. But he only went undercover to produce something greater in me and you. 
He had to die like a man so they would believe he was a man. Hmm. I did all that just to slip him in under the radar. I wonder who he's undercover in right now in this room. That not even your family, not even your friends, not even society believes he's in you. But he's in you. Believes that he could do anything great in you. Not even yourself when you look in the own, your own mirror. Believe truly the things about God has planned for you. You, you. you boast about it. You talk about it. But really in the depth of your heart, it's hard to fathom that this God wants to use you until you realize he's a strategist. He's just gone undercover. And the less likely you feel like God can use you, it might be in fact a whole nother idea that has happened. And maybe God is about to use the unlikely and the impossible possible to carry out the greatest revolution that this world has ever seen mm. I had to die like a man so they would believe I was a man and he led them out as far as Bethany and then he said this I will be with you I'm not going to leave you as orphans I am sending you another I won't be just with you like I was I will be with you in you and every time God does anything, he first tests it. You say, I don't know if this is really what happened. Well, look all throughout the Old Testament. It was just testing for what was to come. Jesus said, I went undercover. I was, I was really just testing. And I, I went undercover in Moses to see how powerful this was. And I split a Red Sea. I went undercover in Gideon, chose the weakest of the weak. I wanted to see how it worked in the one that couldn't speak with a staff in his hands, a normal job in his hands. And I found out that when I got inside Moses, even what's normal turned supernatural. I went inside of Gideon because I wanted to try it out on someone weak. And when I got in someone weak, him and a few small band of brothers took on an entire army. I went inside of Samson because I wanted to see what would happen if I went in someone who was a sinner, messed up with a roving eye. And when I got inside of him, even though they chopped off his hair and plucked out his eyes, there was still strength enough to bring down the walls. I wanted to see what it would be like in the least chosen, the last son, and his name was David. He was simply just a shepherd boy. But when I got inside of him, even his normal natural rocks and the job that was average became a giant killer. I wanted to see what would happen if I got inside of a prostitute. Her name was Rahab. She's the one that helped me get into the walls. We broke the walls down because you can even trust the prostitute when Jesus gets up inside of who she is. And this undercover Jesus wants to go undercover in you and he wants to bring about the greatest revolution in history through the movement of the church. See, the power is not us gathering. The power is in us scattering with Jesus inside of us. Maybe it's mixing a new CD. Maybe it's writing a new poem. Maybe it's singing a new song. Maybe it's entrepreneuring a new idea. But you folks aren't alone. It is God with us, in us, around us, surrounding us. We are not alone. This is not your idea. Your and mine ideas are wicked and evil. It has to be God's idea in us, God's dream in us. And God's dream cannot fail. It cannot be broken down. It cannot die. He's already proven he defeated death. Why are you worried about dreams dying? If they die, he's just going to resurrect them anyways. I, I wish I had somebody in here who feels called to change the world. I wish I had somebody in here who's ready to move. 
Jesus wants to move in us and through us and around us. He wants your neighborhood to know who he is. And he snuck you in. And the devil comes around and he's like, I've got you surrounded. I've figured you out. You're one of those people. You ever seen the show? There's some point in the cop show where the cop gets found out every time. It's going to happen. He sneaks in and the gang finds it out and they're about to kill him. And what they don't realize is he's got backup. I got backup because there is one who got backup from the dead. And he is not just in me. He surrounds me. So when the devil comes in like a flood, God says, I'm going to step up and raise up a standard around you. And there's... And every time the devil starts lying and say, you can't do it, you can't become it, I want you to shout back to the devil, devil, do you know I got backup? You thought I was surrounded. <laughs> You're the one who's surrounded, sucker. So you better... Maybe you should start flashing your badge a little bit. Maybe you should start flashing your authority at the enemy and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Doesn't mean you won't form it, but it cannot prosper because I have all authority. I got back up. What is there that we can't do? What place, what mountain can we not conquer? Go into all the worlds. Be the best at what you're called to be. Why? Because Jesus lives inside of you. Not relevant, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with who's next to you, copying one more time as Christians what the world is doing. Excellent. The best you that you can be, whatever that is. When Laura got up here and did her poetry, I didn't tell her to be like David, who does spoken word. I want her to be the best Laura she can be. And Laura's voice will reach other people different than David's voice. I want you to be the best you you can be, not for this church, but for the revolution to happen in this city. And we are not a monument. This church is a movement. It's different. Religion worships monuments. Religion worships what was and what happened and how we should do it again. We need to sing that song because when that song was sang, God showed up. Could God not show up on any song and God's not going to show up? He's already here. He's just going to reveal who he is. He's going to reveal it in a rap song like he does an old country song, in a hymn like he does in a modern worship song. In this young man, many people say, man, I've I, I never seen a pastor like you. <laughs> like even someone today, one of our new friends, he's like, I'm just tripping for a little bit. Sorry, man. I'm just tripping. I just never, never, never seen a pastor like you. I said, well, how, how is it supposed to be? Here's the good news. He's way undercover on me. He's hiding so deep that even Christians can't all the way see that, that I should be doing what I'm doing. But I don't care what they say or what I look like. I know who he is inside of me. And I know that he. <laughs> Jesus sends them out. And, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he's trying this out. He's testing what's about to happen. He said, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out. Somebody say, send out. Lord, send them out. That's what God told me to do. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is ready, guys. People are ready to receive the Jesus that's inside of you. People are ready to hear the gospel. I know the devil's lying. He's telling you he's got you surrounded, but you got back up inside of you again from the one who got back up. The harvest is ready, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest field. Luke 10, 3 says, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Then 10, 17, the 72 return from their mission. And they said to the Lord, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. Wow, this is awesome, God. It worked. What you said would happen, happened. Can you imagine next week people come back, pastor, you told me just to go in undercover with Jesus inside me and people's lives were changed because I was there. I can't believe it. I can't, can't believe this person got saved. And here's what Jesus says to him. He replied in verse 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you all authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all power. Somebody say all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. You got back up so deep. He's promised you that you will never be harmed no matter what situation you come into. And then Jesus said that this time full of joy through the Holy Spirit. He said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this was for your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except for the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except for the Son. And those whom the Son chooses to reveal himself to. Then he turned to the disciples and said privately, Blessed are you what you have seen with your eyes. He said, look, you figured it out. You figured out that my plan was to go undercover in you. Then he says, don't rejoice because the demons submit to your name. In other words, don't rejoice because you have power. It's not about having power. He says, then rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What he's saying is the only reason I give you power is so you can set people free. Don't rejoice in having power that things run from you. Rejoice that that power sets people free and enters their name in the Lamb's book of life. We don't need power just to say we have power. I need power to change people's lives. If I was up here by myself, you would leave this place the same you came in. But I have power. I have power and authority given to me, my God, but I'm not going to rejoice in that power because the demons have to flee when we get up here because the devil is nervous that I'm preaching this to you right now. I'm going to rejoice that 20 to 30 people say, you know what, God, write my name in your guest list today. Write my name in your book today. We're not going to rejoice because we have big crowds. We're going to rejoice because the one said, Jesus, I need you, and I'm ready to be fully alive. Do we have any of those ones in here today? Now, movement is, is a scientific uh, thing. It's, it's not also just a good idea. It is scientific. In fact, uh, physicists have studied the, the works of movement, and we can uh, go back through history and science and see that Sir Isaac Newton created laws of how movement always operates. And I want to tell you, uh, the first rule, he made three rules, and the first rule he said about movement is that things want to stay in the position that they are. In other words, things want to keep doing whatever they're doing. <laughs> 
In other words, things in this earth are lazy. Whatever I'm doing, I want to keep doing it. <laughs> uh, they, they titled it uh, inertia. Somebody say inertia. And to overcome inertia, it has to be contacted and applied by an unbalanced force from another atmosphere. It has to be connected with by an unbalanced, more powerful force than its want to stay where it's at. You see, this is what happens when we encounter Jesus. I don't know about you, but I love doing what I was doing. When I was partying, I loved partying how I was partying. I was okay with that. But when I, when I was doing what I was doing, when I was dating two girls at once, I wanted to keep doing what I was doing, right? When I was doing what I was doing, I was want to do what I was wanting to do. Uh, uh, we are lazy. It's, if, you don't, if you don't understand this fully, let me help you a little further. Uh, you know, in the morning, when you don't want to get up, you know the snooze? <laughs> do we have any snoozers? You snooze and the snooze again. And he literally set your alarm for like 10 hours earlier. Like you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. or something and read your Bible. And you, you woke up at 11 still again. Inertia. It's the force. It's the things when they start doing something, they want to keep doing. It's also what makes you not be able to go to bed. You ever, you ever just woke up in the morning and go like, dang it, I wish I would have went to bed. And then I would have felt good in the morning, but I didn't, I didn't want to wake up and I didn't want to go to bed. Anybody okay with that out here? You, you understand? I don't want to go to sleep. And we keep working till we're so tired. You, you ever said, oh, it's time to go to bed, but I'm not tired yet. Why? What you're saying is I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and because we're lazy in that of ourselves. And the only movement that really takes place is when we are contacted by something of great force that is bigger than us. This is what the encounter with Jesus is. You see, an encounter with church in a building and a preacher is not enough to move you from where you're at to where God's called you to be. The only encounter that is worth having is an encounter with God where he moves you from where you're at. And the good news is whatever something's doing, it wants to keep on doing. You see, burnout doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. We like to say it, I'm burned out. What we're really saying is there is stuff called friction that has slowed me down. And in slowing me down, I feel like I'm trying to move at the same speed, but it's not quite happening like it was at the beginning. You see, in space, if something goes, it never stops. They say if you throw a ball in space, which I've never been there, but I've seen it in movies where the guy's floating, Right? In space, because there is no friction in space like there is on this earth, things, once they are released, they keep going forever in the direction they're going. But because I live on this earth, I'm going to experience things called friction that are either going to change my course or slow me down over time. See, the key to being on fire with God and to move with God is not necessarily in trying to move. Because I can't, I don't have enough force to push myself out of where I'm at. I am in myself. I'm not calling you lazy. I'm just saying for me, for me, myself, and I, I am lazy. Whatever I'm doing, I want to keep doing. And something has contacted my life that has pushed me out of fear, out of worry, out of anxiety. And if I'm going to keep burning for Jesus and not burn out for Jesus, 
it's not about me trying to move. It's about me removing the friction as I'm moving. It's about me uncluttering my life. It's about me saying, you know what? That worry, that fear, as I'm moving, saying this should not stand in my way anymore because greater is he that is inside me than he that is in the world. It matters what relationships you have in your life. It matters what environments you live in. It matters what friction you come in contact with that you weren't supposed to come. Good things can become bad things if they're added to something that was never meant to carry it. And we carry the law. We carry religion. And we can't even worship anymore. We're burned out because we were trying to carry religion instead of relationship. And we carried the Ten Commandments when we couldn't live them out in the first place. He said, if you want to live out the Ten Commandments, that's just the first ten. This thing goes on to the millions. Let me tell you the revision to don't look at, don't look at someone lustfully. You know, don't, don't, don't commit adultery. The Bible says don't commit adultery, Ten Commandments. But let me just tell you the top of the mountain. Don't even look at someone lustfully because if you have, you've done the same thing. Don't murder. Well, if you've ever been angry in your heart, that's the same thing. So we're trying to carry all these laws, and then God's saying, worship me because I'm great. And we can't lift our hands. We can't keep on burning for them because we're burned out because we carried good things that weren't the best thing. Jesus didn't say, I came to do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. I came to fulfill it. I didn't come to do away with it. But you don't have to carry that anymore because I carried that for you up the mountain you couldn't climb up. Now just get on my back and we're going to the top. We have to get untangled from this mess that is around us. That's why we have to forgive because this doesn't work, holding unforgiveness, being hit by God in such a powerful way because I'm going to have to love again. I'm going to have to open my heart again. Why? Because Jesus is a movement. He is love. He doesn't have it. So if he's inside of me, I'm going to have to drop some things. Somebody say drop it. Someone say drop it. Someone say drop it. Someone say drop it. Drop that fear. Drop that anger. Drop that depression. Come on, you got to understand clutter a few things and the key is not to try to move the key is to unclutter to get rid of the question is not how's God going to use you the question is what do you got to get off the ship so not not so you can move but so you can move the way you were born to you were born to go undercover to start a revolution that was so bad and so powerful That the world would never be the same. Not because of you, but the one who contacted you. And he didn't just connect with you and leave. He said, I won't leave you as orphans. I'm sending another. His name is Holy Spirit. What's his attribute? Holy. He's holy. God, I'm not worthy of this. That's okay. Holy Spirit's living inside you. And God gives you the authority back to take back your life. He wants to give you a second chance today. I serve the God of second chances. I love some of my friends here. Chris uh, is right here in the middle, right? One of my good friends, Chris. And a long time ago, he used to be in my youth ministry. And there was a season where he walked away from his calling. And I looked him in the eyes. I couldn't talk him out of it. I tried my best in human words. And I said, one day, you'll come back. You'll probably have a goatee. You'll be older. 
You say, Pastor, I want to embrace who God called me to be again. And just last week, he showed up here in L.A. and said those exact words to me. You're called to shake the gates of hell. And the calling's deeper than what's on the outside of you because it's something that is on the inside that is greater than who you are. Now, here's the deal. The apostles said, we are aliens of this world. Meaning, I used to be one of you, but I'm not anymore. I have a new home. I have a new dad. I was born again. A whole new creature. But now I'm just going undercover on this earth with Jesus inside of me to release that same life into others that are dead right now. I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. Because I got backup from the one who got backup. He lives inside of me. The Bible says, take heart, for in this life you will have many troubles. Don't worry about it, because I've overcome the world. I live inside of you. If he's defeated death, what more is there to defeat? That's kind of the end of it. The Bible says that death has been swallowed up by victory. Your God is a God of victory. He's a God of love. Just like Laura said, she'd been through a lot. I know even more, I mean, we wouldn't have time to go through everything Laura's been through. And all the paintings that has been painted on her. But look at her today. Some of you, if I were to tell you the depth of what she's been through, you wouldn't even recognize her. You'd be like, nah, you wouldn't believe it. You either worship God or you go, nah, I I don't believe, that's crazy. And that is what happens when Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up in you, it should be that same response. What has happened in our lives is so radical that people either worship him when we show up or they're in disbelief. I don't have to prove to them anything. The God inside me has sent me undercover for strategic reasons to change everything. And I'm not a monument. I'm a movement. Do we have anybody that's ready to move? Just stand to your feet all over this room. Thanks for listening to another powerful message from Fearless LA. You can follow what's happening at Fearless by going to fearlessla.com, exploring the app, or looking us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you would like prayer, check out the prayer wall in the Fearless app. God bless you.